Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. You're listening to Beyond the Rut, a podcast about inspiring you to make your own path and live the life you've always dreamed of. Here are your hosts, Sean Albright and Brandon Cunningham. All right, hello everybody. Uh, Sean Albright here at Beyond the Rut, and uh, we got Brandon joining us as usual. Got a pretty cool episode today. It's something that I don't know that too many people put much thought into anymore, and it's um, basically about teaching your children the value of money and where money should have a place in your life. And um, that may be through chores, allowances, um, whatever you want to call it, and there there are differences between those, I think. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that and um, hopefully give you guys some tips on how to teach your children a, I guess, a healthy respect for money to where it's not number one in their mind at all times, but it's also something that they take seriously and don't get into massive amounts of debt by the time they're 20 years old, like most of us did at some point. Yeah, that that's definitely the easiest road to go down. So yeah. what the goal is to basically lay down some some basic steps, some, some kind of common sense stuff, but some of it is we just don't think about it with our kids. And I think the problem is we think they're either too young to learn this or they've already kind of figured out what they want to do so we can't speak into it. Or yeah. you don't have credibility to speak into it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think the credibility thing is one, and I think, I don't know, I, I would assume it's some point parents just start thinking ah, they're probably learning it in school they'll learn in college it's like no you pretty much don't <laughs> they absolutely do not learn it in college so i mean i actually remember my dad sitting down with me and we only did it one time it's probably something we should have visited a time or two more but at least he did it where we sat down and went through um he opened up a checking account a checking account for me remember those those little paper things that used to write for money <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you had checks, you had money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, we sat down and he talked me through what the heck that was and um, helped me put some, get my uh, paychecks deposited. And I don't think I had the direct deposit opportunity at that point. Um, I think I was making minimum wage at, I don't even know what I was doing, but direct deposit wasn't a deal. So I had to learn how to actually go there every week and make a deposit. And if you forget, then uh, you're probably screwed on Sunday or Monday when you needed the money sort of thing. And um, but anyway, we went through and how to how to balance my checkbook and how to keep the ledger going and that sort of thing. So did that one time. I kind of understood what he was talking about, but probably could have done that an, another time or two. I think that's the big misconception that we teach our parents. Our parents are going to teach our, our children because generally what happens is the world ends up teaching them. The television marketers and all these, you know, Chase, Discover, Master, yeah, they Express. teach your children how to manage money. And obviously they teach them the wrong way because as a society, we think that we should get it now and pay for it later. And you have to believe that that's prevalent in the world when you have trillions of dollars of debt a country our size, but then you look at somebody like Greece, who basically just declared bankruptcy because they can't pay their bills, you know? So one of the differences I think we'll talk about is, you know, chores for, for the younger kids or even teenagers, I reckon. So um, as a way that they can make money versus 
allowances. And you made a comment, I guess, last week sometime about the difference that you kind of look at it as they're earning a wage, not an allowance. So tell us about that. Right. I come from the Dave Ramsey school of financial peace of, you know, you pay them a wage for what they're doing because you're not only teaching them that if you do A, you get B, but you also teach them later in life when you go to work for somebody else, some company or store or whatever it is, when you do certain things, you get a certain wage. If you do more than that, you could get more of a wage. And an allowance really, to me, teaches your kids that I'm just allowing you to take this money because you live here and you woke up this morning. You know, it just, it doesn't <laughs> teach them that money is created. It's not just given. So right. with our kids, we've always had, you know, I want 20 bucks. I want 50 bucks, whatever it is. It's like, absolutely you can have it. Here's, here's how you accomplish that. And sometimes we've gone as far as putting a dollar value on the different chores. So you can say, okay, I want to earn 20 bucks. I need to do three of these and two of these and one of those. And now I've got 20 bucks rather than just give it to them because, and one disadvantage that my kids have over probably a lot of other people's kids is I grew up with a divorced parents and a, and a dad who gave me everything I wanted. I had credit cards and cash and I didn't have a job until I was 19 and I'm the baby of the family. So, you know, you can paint that scenario all the way out. So I was spoiled. The only reason I even turned out the way I did, I think, is because my dad eventually, after I failed out of junior college, really didn't accomplish much at all. Uh, I was 21 years old and he told me he was done. He wasn't going to pay for college or pay for me anymore. It was time for me to figure out what I wanted to do. Fortunately for me, that's when I went into the military, got college paid for and all the other stuff. But had I had he not finally cut me off, I would have just still been skating around hoping somebody else would. Yeah. And, and to be clear, Brandon said that there was one disadvantage to him being the stepdad, but there's many disadvantages. <laughs> we won't go <laughs> we won't go into that list today, but I just wanted that to be clear. Yeah, financially <laughs> speaking, there's one, but there's many, many more in the, in there. But the uh, good thing funny. about it is every time we have kind of scooted our kids a little closer to their goal by either paying for it or making it a little easier for them to accomplish, we've heard them. And, right. and my kids, you know, range from 21 down to 14. I see that now is so clear, but it's hard for you. And I have an example right now that's going on. My son just got a truck and he needs about $250 to fix a couple of things on it and the guy a friend of ours is going to help him fix it next weekend and so we gave him basically two weeks to earn 250 dollars because he doesn't work right now he graduated high school but he's training for welding and his craft and all that but he mows yards and does stuff like that to earn money and works at our church and stuff like that but uh he's really really close but he's probably not going to make it all the way and my first thought was, well, I'll just give him like the last 50 bucks. It won't be that big a deal. He does work hard. He's a great kid, but I'll just make it a little bit easier for him. But immediately I thought that will hurt him because he, then he won't earn it. And right. we all want to do it, but we all can't do it if we want our kids well, to be self-sufficient. And I think on this topic, I think that's something that's so good to point out is that when you're teaching your kids the value of money, it's not easy. It's not just sitting down and going over a checkbook. It's also learning to parent to where you're not enabling your children at, at all levels, because you and I have talked about this a million times. We both know too many people that are 40 years old plus and their parents are still bailing them out. They're still 
helping make ends meet. Like you were just saying, oh, it's just $50 here. It's just $100 there. And it's like, yeah, and they're 50-something years old. They still can't pay their own bills. Give me a break. At some point, they didn't learn the value of money. They learned the value of, well, if I just appear to be working hard, have a good story as why I need the money, somebody will help me out. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably feel the same way we do about the fact that there's too many people in this country that want that, want somebody else to just give them something. And But uh, not only do you need to teach them the value of money, but the best way to do that is to live it out yourself. So if you're constantly buying lottery tickets and cigarettes and gas every time you go to the grocery store or the convenience store and you're not managing your money and showing them that this is how we put money into savings this is how we give money to charity or our church or however you want to do it but live that out if you're buying the brand new iphone the day it comes out and you've got the brand new xbox and everything else and a boat and a jet ski and your credit is just up through the roof you're not living it out for them either yep yep that's right so with with my children, they're they're pretty young, um, so we're still in that chores kind of thing. And but right now, what we're trying to deal with, I guess, is they've they've saved their money, and basically we've forced them to save their money that they get from birthdays and whatever different things like that. Well, they want to they want to turn around and just blow it on anything. They just can't wait to spend the money, which is normal. You know, that's a little kid normal. They don't understand really what the value is. But my wife and I have been debating, okay, do we let them just go out and spend $20 on something incredibly stupid? And then whenever they want to do it again, then we then we have the opportunity to teach them, well, you don't have any more money. You, you spend it on this thing that you no longer care about. It does nothing for you. So that's one thing that we're kind of working, working through. And I, it, it is hard because I'm like, no, I don't want you spending that on on something silly, that's mommy and daddy's responsibility. So it's kind of twofold because, you know, we don't want them buying something that we feel responsible to provide for. But at some point we have to let them spend it because that's the only way they're going to learn. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash CapShow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, and sometimes you do. You just let them buy the, the stupid toy that you know is not worth whatever they're paying for it. One of our boys bought a little balsa wood uh, plane he was dying to have. It's $25, and he saved his money, and he bought it, and he was probably about eight or nine at the time. And I knew this plane was going to last every bit of a day, maybe a week <laughs> at best. It literally lasted almost 10 minutes. He flew it. It flew up about... 25, 30 feet in the air and then just came straight down on the sidewalk and fell all to pieces. And he was devastated, but he realized this is why I told you not to spend your money on it. It's not worth right. $25. But then the other side of the coin is like you were saying, it's good to let them spend the money on something stupid because then 
they learn that lesson. Mm-hmm. But you should provide for your children. I know there's there's many extremes of this topic of you know I don't I don't get my kids clothes or anything. I make them do everything themselves. I just think that's mean, and you're they're going to grow up to resent you. Does one kid grow <laughs> up to be president learning that? Maybe I don't know. But the other ninety nine percent of them are going to resent their parents. I do know one couple that, and we're going to do this this year. Uh, they give their uh, kids uh, whatever amount of money they would have spent on school clothes. They give it to them and say, you go buy your own school clothes. So, you know, say it's $300 and you say, okay, you can buy one $300 pair of shoes or you can buy 30 $10 shirts or, you know, you can split it up however you want to. And one, one of their daughter or their daughter went to a Goodwill and like three or four thrift stores and bought just a truckload of clothes for whatever the amount, I think it was somewhere around $200, $300, and just came out with a ton of clothes because she was thrifty with it. She made it last. <laughs> yeah, no, that's perfect. That's that's a good idea, actually, because that's probably the only way to teach them, hey, this is how far a dollar can go. Yeah. Right now, my kids are still so young, they don't understand really a dollar versus $200. And in fact, they trade they trade money all the time. And um, the other day I caught my son trying to give away three twenties because that meant he was going to get four $1 bills from his yeah. sister. <laughs> and to him, that made three. <laughs> right, that, he thought he was really getting a bargain, you know, but in um, going back to the example of letting them spend their money, one thing that I think that we, we probably missed an opportunity to reinforce something that we've been teaching them, you know, in a non monetary value, but there is definitely a monetary application is toward giving. And when we go for ice cream or some kind of treat, you know, like a snow cone or something like that, they're always dying to buy my wife and I uh, buy our stuff and we never let them. We always tell them, no, that's for mommy and daddy to buy this, that, and the other. But at the same time, I just feel like maybe we're telling them, hey, that's our responsibility on one hand. But on the other hand, we're telling them, hey, don't be giving. You need to spend that on yourself. And in fact, that's what we we said. Hey, you don't need to spend that on us. You need to go out and buy something that you want. So we, you know, we want them to be giving, but then there we are trying to protect them from spending their money on us when it's our responsibility. And we're telling them, just go spend it on yourself. So I think we miss that opportunity. And I think it's something that we can, you know, they're young enough where we can set that up to regain that teaching opportunity, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a perfect opportunity to show them generosity. You know, it's it's fine to say, well, that's mom and dad's responsibility, but it's also important for them to learn responsibility because maybe they're out with their friend and their friend doesn't have money for something and they say, no, I'll pay for it. It's no big deal. Rather than them think, well, my parents said I should only spend it on myself. So the mm-hmm. counter to that that concept too for parents is to know hey don't teach your kids stinginess and cheapness and say well i would never buy somebody else something you know maybe you teach it by default by just saying things like that yeah that's true so go go in another direction because i mean again this can go a lot of different ways but you know you're familiar with the book rich dad poor dad and it's basically the author's talking about how he had his real father who taught him money and how how to view money in one respect. And then his friend's father taught him how to look at it in a totally new way. And I think the thing that I always took away from that, or one of the things I took away from that book was your kids are going to learn about money somewhere, somehow. And and you kind of touched on that earlier about the credit cards, the TV shows and things like that. But, you know, they're also going to be influenced um, by their friends, their friends' parents, their friends' family, things of that nature. So you got to get comfortable talking to your kids about money, not just 
teaching them a thing or two and then being done with it. You know, I think that's a, an ongoing conversation because it's, it touches everything. Money's involved in everything. So you wouldn't have a conversation about whatever, whatever you talk to your kids about, honesty, for instance. You should talk to your kids more often. <laughs> you wouldn't have a one-time conversation about something really important like um, <laughs> safe sex. You wouldn't do that or hopefully just one time and then say, okay, I hope it takes care of itself. You're probably yeah. going to have some kind of conversation as on an ongoing basis. Because somebody is, and you know, sex is a great example. Somebody's talking to them about that every day, be it TV, ads, billboards, something. And so you want to be that louder voice, that consistent voice. My dad right. has said this since I was five or since I was 10 or since I was 15. Or maybe your kids are older and they're grown and, and you think they don't, they just don't listen to me. But it's still important that you be there for their financial advice because every once in a while, my son called me the other day and he lives on his own and everything. He wanted to know if I would help him co sign a truck. That was $19,000. And I said, you know, it's not about whether I would or not. Uh, we've always taught them, you know, we don't live on debt. You pay for things. You save. You emergency fund. All of that kind of stuff. But I said, you don't need a $19,000 truck because that's just going to put you almost twenty grand in the hole to start this business that he wanted to start. And I said, you know, you start it with what you have and then you build up from there. You don't <laughs> jump ahead and then build up to it. That's how businesses fail. There's so many facets about money. I guess I still always think of it just in a savings versus spending, but there's also, like you're saying, and in the investing. I mean, you got to teach them about that at some point too, because again, if you don't, somebody will, or worse than that, nobody will. And I think that's why so many people are terrified with the word investment. Ooh, that sounds like something rich people do. Yeah. Come on. And if you do the math, if you put away $50 a month, I mean, $50 a month, when you're 18 to about 28, 29, about 10, 11 years, and then don't put another dime in there and just let that money grow, you could easily have about $1 to $1.2 million by the time you turn 65 because Mm -hmm. that money just grows exponentially over that long period of time. So we're not talking about investing in the sense of, you know, buying an apartment building. We're talking just invest really, really small. One of our boys that's 18 the welder he's about to get um he'll get his certification on tuesday then he'll he's got three or four job offers he'll have to figure out what he wants to do and right after he gets that job the next move is for us to go sit down with the financial planner and you think why would you go sit down with the financial planner when you literally have no finances you know it's like (laughs) well you sit down with the builder and a designer before you start to build and so i want him to have a very clear picture and everything set up going into it rather than Mm -hmm. wait 10 years down the road go man i've already lost 10 years because once right. you start, you're never going to stop. Yeah, you get used to a certain lifestyle. You get used to spending this amount of money every month, and mm-hmm. you get this many bills right from the get-go. And I think that was one major mistake I made, and I think that's probably what most people do right out of college, was um, I got a very expensive apartment at the at the time, and I went and bought a brand-new truck. That's pretty much the standard, at least for guys, what, that they want to go do. And I got into just one bad deal after another because I never really learned a healthy way of looking at money and auto, uh, you know, and buying cars. I don't know why I said auto. And buying auto. (laughs) I got on the telly and I called over to my friend 
Well, and that's the thing. I, I teach Financial Peace University. Usually, I try to do it about once a year. That's my goal now. I just got through teaching a class. But we had five people in there that had just graduated from college and just gotten their first real job. You know, one was an engineer. We had a nurse. And we had uh, one guy was an accountant, I think. And so it was their first real paycheck. And they were in their early 20s, you know, 22, 23, 24 years old. And their biggest concern was, you know, should we move out of the crappy apartment? we got because that's you you've been there throughout college so you're like i'm so sick of it i want a decent place to live i deserve this yeah exactly so if you wait on the apartment and the truck just like maybe a year or two and build up that emergency fund because you've been living off of less than most of them living living off of less than 10 15 20 thousand dollars a year at most now they're making real money keep living off of that for maybe one two more years you'll get a savings built up that will sustain you for the rest of your life. Right. Well, the whole the whole keeping up with the Joneses, um, that's a very real and powerful uh, influence. This starts so early because, like you're saying, there's – you get out of college and it's like, well, everybody else is driving a new truck. Well, everybody else is buying a house. They're investing in real estate. It's like, no, they're not. They're, they're renting a really expensive house. You don't really know that their situation is probably. Um, and they get into to doing all these things. And then the next thing you know, uh, oh, they're they're having kids because they're, they're so much financially better off than I am. So I need to do that too to look like I am. I mean, that, it just, it touches everything, the, the, the keeping up with the Joneses and how we look at money. Absolutely. It's normal. And I love what Dave Ramsey says. Normal doesn't work. Normal right. is broke. Normal <laughs> is bankrupt. Normal is, is they hate their job and they're working their job because now they built up all this debt. They couldn't possibly go start their own business. They can't right. get out of that rut now because they've dug it so deep. They got to stay in it to keep afloat. And right. so normal is divorced. Normal is, is miserable. Normal is broke. You don't want to be normal. Yeah. Know? How's, how sad is it when somebody can actually verbalize their dream and their goals in life? Because a lot of people can't even get to that part. Oh, but yeah. how sad is it for the person that can, but then they've screwed themselves over the last year or 10 years to where they can't even contemplate or can't even fathom the next move because they flat out need to work 60 or 70 hours a week just to keep up with where they currently are. Yeah, I can't afford to take a risk right now. Because of the way I've lived for the last 10 years, I thought I'd be further along too, because the guy next to me has got a boat and the guy on the other side of me has got a pool. So I'm in, I'm trying to buy things to impress people I don't even like or care Mm -hmm. about. And, and they're not paying attention to me because they're in their own rut trying to stay afloat. You, right. know, you never know the story of the guy next door. No matter what you think, you might know some yep. of it, but you don't know all of it. Well, and that's one thing I've already been talking to my daughter about is that you cannot judge how somebody's doing financially based on what you see. You just don't know what's going on. Um, company I worked for where I did some home health type consulting type position. And basically all I meant was I went into the patient's home with my customers to teach them. And it was no no big surprise to see a house from the outside look so good, the landscaping immaculate, and then get in and the the house hadn't been painted in 15, 15 years, probably 50 years. The carpet was disgusting. The furniture was maybe not even there, holes all in the wall, but they looked rich from the outside. And I've been trying to teach my 
you know, even my son that even today, you know, we saw a guy that had the big spiky hair and the kind of the, you know, the, I don't even know what you call it anymore. It used to be the skateboarder crew when I was younger. It was, the, <laughs> I don't even know what that is anymore, but I, I talked to my son. I said, what do you think about that kid? And he just looked at him. He's like, oh no, he's got, he's got orange hair. And I was like, okay, at least you didn't jump to any conclusions. You know, he's still a little bit too young, but I guarantee if I would have asked my, my daughter that she probably would have said he doesn't have very much money because he's dressing that way. And it's like, no, don't, don't start viewing people based on on looks as to where you think their financial situation is yeah because there's always a story behind the story you know i've been in church world for for 10 years and i can i can honestly say the biggest donations the biggest tithers the biggest just generous people are always the ones you had no idea you know yeah. we, we just had a big one at, at our church we were building on some classrooms and you know he wrote a check for twenty thousand dollars and we we didn't even know he had any money at all because he drives mm-hmm. a truck that looks like you know it probably should be repoed and he dresses <laughs> in nothing but t-shirts and jeans all the time it's because he's not trying to impress the joneses he doesn't care about the joneses he worries yeah. about himself <laughs> Yeah. You know, with that, my, my grandma, she was, man, she did not have much money whatsoever. She was on a uh, fixed income. And you know, when you're on a government fixed income after, you know, I don't know what Medicaid and things of that nature, um, she just had very little money. Whenever I was in, I guess, 10th grade or so, FFA was like a huge thing when I was growing up. And all of the the people that were took it seriously had this kind of coat, like a jacket, like a like a Letterman jacket would be these days, I guess. And at the time, I think those were like $125 or something, something more than she def- definitely uh, could afford. And it was well after I made the decision, okay, I'm not going to pursue that anymore. I'm going the sports route. I don't have time for FFA. She pulls out this jar that she'd been keeping out in her storage shed and literally was saving a dollar or two at a time. And she was almost there. So she was going to buy the coat for me and she was saving it without me knowing it. And I'm like, wow, what a, what a powerful lesson in, uh, saving and putting stuff aside and being disciplined and a little adds up eventually to where you do have something to show for it. I think a lot of times when we're teaching our kids, we think that if we can't teach them everything all at once, then we're not teaching them at all. And like you were saying earlier, it's, it's a lifestyle and that's what she was doing. She was teaching me with her example. Yeah, that generation too. You didn't get anything if you didn't have the money. You know, the concept mm-hmm. of borrowing the money for anything was just so foreign. But then, like you said, we're teaching our children by our actions or by our inaction. So you mm-hmm. can sit there and say, I'm going to talk to him on Thursday. Well, maybe next week. Well, this weekend I'm out of town or this is going on. I'll do it in a couple of weeks. Your inaction speaks volumes too because they need to know how much Maybe not exactly what you make or what you give, but they need to know that you give a substantial amount of money away. And it's like you're in a restaurant and you're tipping, you know, let them see what you're tipping. Let them see your generosity. And if you're tipping a dollar on a hundred dollar check, then, you know, they should see that their father's a cheapskate and doesn't know how to tip (laughs) people because they need to see generosity from their parents too. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, you know, kind of wrapping it up, looking at what we need to teach our children, it's, it is about saving. It's about what to spend your money on. And it's also about generosity. I think those are the three kind of main things. Um, Investing, I don't know. I don't know that that's a good topic for most 
kids. But when you get into like your kids where they're out of high school, 18, 19, 20, maybe people start looking at it thinking, hey, if they haven't learned it by 18, I'm not I'm not teaching them anything else. And it's like, you're still the parent, man. Teach them some things now that it's, it's age appropriate. So I think that's when investing and even start talking retirement and helping them understand because one of the most confusing things in the world for me was when I had my first job, I guess my first my first real job um, out of college. I was, I guess, 22. And you start signing the, the what is it, the w, W-2s? And I, I get all that even. W-9. Next. W-9. There we go. I was about to say I-9 a while ago. And that's <laughs> the one that tells if you're uh, legal to work in the United States, right? So when you're filling out well, you all of that. Arkansas, so I could see why that would confuse you. <laughs> that's right. We don't pay taxes. But when I went through that stuff the first time, I had I had no idea what I was doing. I literally was asking the girl in HR, what should I put here? And she's like, I don't know. What do you want to put there? I, don't I was like, you. I don't even know what this means, you know? Yeah. How embarrassing that was to be filling out just basic employment information and not have a clue what I was doing. Yeah, and I think we, we have to expect uh, questions, but we also have to in some way instigate those questions because especially for boys, I have four boys, one girl, so it's only happened to boys right now, so that's only one I really know about, but being one too, I know you don't want to come back to dad or mom and say, I don't know how to do it because you've spent all this time going, okay, I'm 18 now, I can do whatever I want, I can right. stand on my own two feet. You want to create that space for them to be able to come back and say, you know, I'm about to buy this $20,000 truck. I'm I'm going to sign a lease for this two bedroom apartment, even though I'm living by myself, you know, and, <laughs> and, and you want, you don't want to respond with, well, you're a moron. Why would you do that? You know, right, you, you should have learned this with the way that, yeah, well, let me walk you through it. Here's why. Yeah. I see two bedrooms is better than one, but you're going to have to clean it and you're paying for something that you're not going to use that much. And then probably what's going to happen is one of your friends that's a freeloader is going to want to stay with you all the time and get free rent. So don't do stuff like that, you know, Right. and and create that space for the conversation because the last thing you want is your kid to go, well, I'm just going to get on Google and figure out how to do this because I guarantee you MasterCard and Visa and Discover and all of those guys are spending billions of dollars marketing to our kids and our adults. And that's where they're going to get the information. You know, bigger is better. I want to live like them. Yep. Yeah. There's a car commercial going on right now in San Antonio that says, I'm the, I'm the car salesman that believes that you deserve to have a better car. And I'm like, I guarantee you there's some young kids out there going, I do deserve to have a better car. And there's some, there's some adults out there going, Hey, I do deserve this. It's like, no, you don't. You don't deserve jack squat. I don't care how hard you've worked. If you haven't saved at least to have a substantial down payment on it, um, then you don't deserve anything. You know, and and I think one one thing that we could we could segue in, but this could probably be a, a an entire episode itself, so we won't get into it right now. But when we're talking about the value of money, there's also a mindset that's either you either have like the poverty mentality or you have the abundance mentality. Some people call it the scarcity mentality versus the abundance mentality. But I think a lot of that comes from what they see you doing with your money early on. If you're always freaking out about money, if you're always complaining about how you don't have enough, but 
but then you're going out and spending it on stupid things. Your kids are looking at that going, wow, I must, I must need to be really careful with my money. And that sounds all great, except they continue to spend because that's what you do. So they, they make a certain amount. They spend a little more than that every month because they're afraid of stepping out and doing something that's going to help them advance and make more money. They definitely don't want to give because who knows where the next paycheck is going to come from. They're probably not entrepreneurial at any step along the way because that that involves risk. So uh, that's just a whole nother subject. But I think that's something that most people probably don't think about when they're talking about teaching their kids the value of money is teaching them the value of that abundance mentality. So maybe we'll talk about that on a on another episode. Yeah, and that's true. When you have an abundance mentality, you can give like nobody else. You can be generous with your money. And, but that requires savings. And, and I would just follow up with what you just said. If, if you're not living it, they're not going to live it either. You, you cannot smoke and tell your kids not to smoke. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> so yeah. you have to live it out. And the only way to do that is to just do everything you're supposed to be doing and let them watch it and then explain it to them. You got it, man. All right, so I think we can wrap this episode up and call it done. Hopefully we, we've at least said something. Even if we said complete nonsense and talked in circles, which is very likely, if you've made it this far, I hope at least you can take away that you need to go and have some kind of conversation with your child, regardless of their age. You know, even if they're four and five, you can start talking to them about giving and helping other people out. So make that make that a point this week to go and and have that conversation follow up with your kids if they're out of the house already call them and ask them if there's anything that uh you need to you know help them out with they may be 18 19 years old and they're afraid to approach you so you should do the do the heavy lifting and give them a call absolutely good advice all right so we will uh we'll be back with another episode whenever we do other episodes (laughs) we'll be back on the next one all right take care Thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Rut. Be sure to head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. Then, share us with your family and friends. You can also check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash zero one zero. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.